Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we are here to talk to you about Cersei. Yeah, you got it, you got it right. Did I get it right? Close. I'm really working on my pronunciation. We had to Google it this morning because Grace and I got in a spat about how you pronounce it. So I Googled a YouTube video of the author saying the name of the book, figuring she would know best. Well, then we had my mom telling me it was said a different way. She said Cirque. And then I looked up like the official like pronunciation of the goddess and they said Kirki. They did not say that. It did. I swear to God. Anyway, yeah. we're here in Cape Cod. We might have some ambient background noise this episode. It There's is a raining. rainstorm. And the dog is scared, so she's panting. So we're hoping we don't pick up those noises, but we might. Just so you know what they are, if there's like a panting dog in the background. Yeah. She's like cuddling with me. Yeah, they're best friends. So before we talk about the book, should we talk about highs and lows? Yes. So my high is that I've been home on Cape Cod all week. Um, we both leave tomorrow. I have had the best time. It's been so nice being with my parents. My sister was here for the beginning of the trip, and there's just no place like home, so it's been really good to be here. And then Becca joined for a few nights at the end of the trip, which has also been nice because it's good to have a friend here. My parents are currently on a, like, a hot date night right now. They looked so cute. They looked so cute. They went off to, um, they belong to this yacht club that's not really a yacht club. It's like a cute little club with like boats and things. And um, they had the Commodore's ball tonight. So they got all dressed up and they just went off. And so we're recording the podcast and then we're going to go have a fun dinner and um, go out for drinks. Yeah. My high is also Cape Cod. I used to come here as a kid and then uh, came here when I used to live in Boston after college a lot. So I have like a lot of sentimentality for Cape Cod, but... um, it's been so nice to be here and to kind of have just like a really low key trip. We've been to the beach, we've been to the lake, we've eaten ice cream, we've eaten lobster rolls. Like we haven't done a whole lot, but it's just been like very low key, which has been nice. Yeah. So I know we don't usually do this. Can I, can I tell you a medium thing? Yeah. So I got a library card. Well, you told me you got a library card, but tell everyone. But I didn't tell our listeners that I got a library card. Tell everyone card. what happened to the romance book that you were reading. Oh my God. Okay. Well, first of all, I got a library card because I've been on kind of a, a mediocre streak of books that I keep starting books and then not finishing them or um, not liking them that much. So I just feel like I've been spending so much money on books that I'm not really into. So I decided it was past time that I get a library card. Um, I was in Mexico City with my friend Lauren, and she has. Her, uh, well, she's in San Francisco, but she was showing me her library's app where you can download ebooks. And I was like, there's no reason why I shouldn't do this. So I did it. It was super easy. I signed myself up for on the wait list for all of these books that I've been wanting to read, but like not quite so much that I've bought them. Um, and so I started my first book, which I'll tell you about um, when we talk about what we're reading. And I was reading it on the train on the way to Boston and there's parts that are redacted. So I think the library, like, Puts black bars over sexy content. Yeah, that was hilarious. So now I don't know what to do about my library card, but I'm really excited to have one in general. I saw, I'm in a bunch of um, reading Facebook groups, which sounds really nerdy, but this is a safe space. My dad told us that he's in a bunch of harmonica Facebook groups this week. Yeah, this is also a safe space. Yes. So um, I... 
uh, saw somebody that on their library card, it prints how much they've saved. And the person had saved over $1,000. I bet I, if I consistently use the library, I think I'm going to save so much money. Yeah. I think that's really smart. So I'm becoming a library convert. I love that. So that's just a medium thing I wanted to tell you about. Yeah. What about Lowe's? Okay. So I have two interrelated lows. So my flu from last week somewhat resolved, but then it turned into bronchitis, which is so annoying. So now I feel fine, but I just can't stop coughing, which is like very unattractive. I feel very bad that I've like come and inflicted myself on your parents. No, you're fine. Um, but anyway, so I got back from Mexico city and the day before I got the flu, I was like, okay, I'm going to throw myself into figuring out work stuff. And I sent out all these emails and I set up all these meetings and then I had to cancel them because I had the flu. And then I, I'm just like, I'm feeling stressed about work. Like I'm feeling like when we come back from our trip to Morocco and then I'm going somewhere else, but I'm not positive where I'm going yet, which is it's also in a week and a half, so I guess I should figure that out. Yeah, you got to figure that out. I think it's probably going to be Portugal. Oh, my God. Please go to Portugal. I don't know. And go to those striped houses. Oh, I don't know what that is. I'll send you, I'll send you the name. I feel like I should go to Spain because I'm taking language classes, but I also want to go somewhere that's on the water. And I was thinking about going to San Sebastian, but then my friend Rachel said it's really romantic and that I would be sad going there by myself because she's like, you just sit in a tapas bar and you get like food for one and you're like, this is so good. I have no one to talk to about it. Maybe you'll take like an amazing Spanish lover while you're there. Maybe. I, but I think I'm going to go to Portugal. But anyway, um, so I feel like when I get back in early September, I need to like actually start doing work. And so now I'm just kind of getting stressed about not having everything lined up and having to cancel all my meetings. And like, I'm just feeling a lot of type A stress right now. Like, I'm sure it will be fine. Like nothing has actually happened. I'm just in my own head, but I'm, I'm definitely feeling a little bit of like work stress right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you were pretty burnt out and then you went through a lot of really bad personal stuff. So I think you need to just ease back into it. Yeah. But I'm just like, it sucks that I was like ready to dive back in. And then my body was like, no, you're going to have the flu now. Yeah. So enjoy that. Sometimes your body just tells you, like, it's like telling you, you need to rest a little bit more. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I disagree body. I know that's not something you're supposed to say, but I'm like, hopefully next week my voice is stable. I'm not like hacking up a lung. So hopefully next week I'll have all my meetings and can like start to get the ball rolling. Yeah. I think I would just feel better if I had one client, like had something lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me your lows. Okay. So I have no real, real actual lows to speak of because I've just been on Cape Cod, which like what could be low about that? Um, But you guys, I got to work on my podcasting voice. So I'm really, I'm really practicing my diction and trying to not sound, okay, so I read everything on my, about myself on the internet, whether it's good or bad. I feel like bad feedback is actually a gift because it can help you to get better at whatever you're doing. And several people said that I sound like a bored teenager, like I have a mouthful of rocks and, and more. So I'm just really trying to work on how I speak here. And it's made me terribly self-conscious, but it's something I'm working on. And maybe I'll look at like taking like an online diction class or something. Oh my God. Um, just to be better at this. Cause I want to, you know, the podcast is like, you know, it's great. We're starting to see advertisers and I think we have like a viable future with this, but I also like don't want to like 
sound like I'm, I'm like, I need to work on how I speak. So I got really self-conscious a while ago because somebody sent me a DM about how I keep saying, um, and like, and I try not to, but then sometimes like last week when I was sick, I said it so many times, or if I'm not paying attention or if we have drinks when we podcast, I, it really comes out. So that's what I'm self-conscious about. Well, I, um, when I was speaking as my keynote speaker, I recorded myself and I said, um, so many times. It, you don't even realize you're doing it. You don't That's realize the hard you're doing part. It. It's really hard to catch yourself. Yeah. So I feel like even just like for this hour that we're speaking, I need to really work on making sure that I'm pronouncing every syllable and that I'm not saying like or um, which well, kind of takes the fun out of it. But I want... That's what I was going to say. You can't, please, you can't please everyone. I know, but I really... I want to get better at this. And I think it's kind of like muscle memory. Like, you know, with yoga, it's like some poses are so hard and then you just keep practicing them and they get easier. So I feel like if I keep working on my speaking and my diction and enunciating words and what have you, it'll become natural. I feel like you're starring in your own, um, modern day remake of My Fair Lady. You're the Eliza Doolittle. You know, I've never seen My Fair Lady. Really? Yeah. What's wrong with me? I don't know, but uh, mental note, watch my fair lady. Yeah. You can definitely relate to it. Okay. Okay. So I guess before the book, we should probably get a little desperate. Yes. It's time to get desperate. So you guys, if you enjoy our podcast, what can you do? You can leave us a rating and a review in the iTunes store. Or you can take a screenshot and throw it up on your Instagram story. You know what, Grace? You know what I think we need to do this week? What? We need to do a story and show people how to leave us a rating or review because your mom was telling me this morning that she couldn't figure out how to do it. Yes, we can do that. But I feel like most people know how. I okay. think it's more just an issue that people are like, uh. What? Listener, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you don't know how rather than you're just not doing it. Now's the time. Now's the time. So pause the podcast and leave us a review. And say something nice. We're Talk about how much you love my voice. Just kidding. Yeah. Don't. But don't say anything mean either. I already know it needs work. Help people find us. Help spread the word. Help grow our book club because book clubs are more fun with more people. Yes. And if you've already done all that, follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast and join our Facebook group where we have so much good book discussion. Yes. I get all of my book recommendations from that group now. It's really fun. Yeah. So I think that's all the desperation I have. Do you have any other desperate things to say? No, but we're not at a minute, so we should keep talking. No. Just kidding. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. We're done with desperation minute. Thanks. All right. So this week we read Circe by Madeline Miller. I am having such deep self-consciousness that I'm going to say somebody's name wrong after Me calling too. you out. There so. are so many characters in this. Blanket apology for how we pronounce anything. Yes. Okay. So here's the like the plot overview. So Circe is a minor goddess. Her father is Helios, who's the god of the sun, and he's one of the old gods. He's a titan is what they call it. So it was the titans came before the Olympians. Yes. And then her mother is Percy, who's a nymph, which I didn't really know what a nymph was, but I guess it's like a minor sea goddess. So there's been a war of the gods before the book starts, and Zeus overthrew his father and... All, all of the old gods. His father was one of the old gods. So Helios and Oceanus, who's Circe's grandfather, are the only old gods who are left in power. So there's like definitely kind of like a rivalry. Yes. So 
she is kind of just a lonely child. She doesn't have any powers, and her younger brother and sister tease her for being ugly and having a shrill voice. So I can really relate to her because we both need to work on our voices. <laughs> it comes out later that her voice is more like the voice of a mortal, which um, it's kind of foreshadowing in that she ends up getting along better with mortals, but we'll get to that. So when her mother has her fourth child, she raises him because her mother is bored by him and like doesn't really want to be a mom anymore and he is not prophesized to be great is, is that how you say it prophesied or prophesized I don't yeah know. prophesized prophesized well we might be making up words so eventually one by one her siblings leave to be married or to rule a kingdom and she's the only one left so she and her brother had this island that was theirs to wander around and she met this mortal there whose name was Glaucos and he was a sailor he would come to the island while he was fishing and she falls in love with him and through magic she accidentally turns him into a god so it turns out that actually all of her siblings are witches which has never been heard of among gods before and um Zeus is threatened by this new power and there's kind of a long situation, but Circe ends up getting exiled to an island. So she takes the fall for all of her siblings. And um, when she admits that she's a witch, she gets exiled to an island that is just, the name is all vowels. I have yeah, no I idea have no how idea you would how say, say the name of the island, but the island sounds beautiful. Like she has this gorgeous home. There's all these animals. She gets a pet lion while she's there. Oh yeah. The, it, the wildlife there sounds like, on point. I would, if I was going to be exiled somewhere, I would love to be exiled to that island. Yeah. But um, in her exile, she really like focuses on growing her powers and kind of learning all about witchcraft. And she teaches yeah, herself all this stuff. Her powers are not really innate. They're like learned. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And it seems like she has like a gift for transforming things. Yes. And so she can kind of like take someone and expose their true nature. So she ends up Exiled there for centuries, and centuries. she has an affair with Hermes, who's the messenger god who comes to her island. And he's trouble. He's trouble. So she's mostly alone, but eventually these ships start landing on her island and asking for refuge. And most of the time, the men are like pillagers, and they try to rape her. And so she gets into this habit where if she sees that the men seem like bad dudes, she turns them into pigs. Yes. So eventually Odysseus, the guy from the Odyssey, comes to her island with his crew. And he's been at war in Troy uh, for 10 years and he's trying to make it home. He's been then sailing from Troy, I think another two years. And he ends up staying on the island for a year, and they have an affair. And then after he leaves, Circe is pregnant, but she doesn't tell him. So Odysseus, when he leaves, he doesn't know. So she has a son. His name is Telegonus. Um, and after he's born, or I guess during his birth even, it becomes clear that Athena, who's the goddess of wisdom and war. Like, wisdom, and, and like all the home things. I thought it was like war things. I think it's war and home. Okay. Yeah. Um, is trying to kill her son because of something that he's fated to do in the future. Yes. So Cersei uses all of this crazy magic that she's learned to protect the island and her son 
Um, but then eventually he becomes a teenager and like all teenagers, he re- he wants to rebel. And so he wants to leave the island and sail to find his father. Yeah. So he goes to Ithaca, but then in a terrible twist, and this is what I think Athena had been prof- um, predicting, was that he accidentally killed his father. So that was... Like, I, I can't imagine how badly he felt, like, after waiting 16 years to meet his father and, like, being all prepared for it and then accidentally killing his father. And he killed him with this, the magic, like, tip of one of the other gods' tails. Yes. And um, that was, like, pretty sad. So he comes back, returns to the island with Penelope, who is Odysseus's wife, as well as Telemachus, who is Odysseus's other son. So eventually, Telemachus gets called by Athena to go on a quest to found this brand new land that Athena has founded. And he would have Athena's blessing, but Athena's kind of demanding it. So, Well, originally she wants... Wait, it's Telemachus? Yeah, it was Telemachus, but then Telegonus goes. Yes, you're right. Yes. So Telemachus is Odysseus's other son, and Telegonus is Odysseus and Circe's son. Yes. So Telegonus leaves and does the quest for Telemachus instead and Telemachus stays behind and Circe decides that with her son gone she's going to leave the island and break her exile and she goes to kill a monster that she made very early in her life when she first became a witch yeah and in the meantime she takes up with Telemachus as her no Telemachus Oh, yeah, with Telemachus. Sorry. I'm it's mixing so up the two names sons. Are very it was close. very confusing throughout. Not her son. She falls in love with Odysseus's other son. Who has no relation to no her. No relation to her. So they fall in love and have children yeah. eventually. And, and it ends with her becoming immortal. Yeah. So she's thousands of years old, or at least hundreds of years old, and decides yeah. to become immortal. So before I get into this, the discussion... Listening to this description, I realize that this book does not sound phenomenal. Like it sounds confusing and dense, and, and we skipped over a lot of different and parts not that in interesting. Summary. But this book was fascinating to me. I could not put it down. It was fascinating. It was like, so did you have to learn mythology in high school or college? Yes, and it was one of my favorite favorite subjects. So I um, went to my first year of college. I went to a Catholic school. And we had to do this religious studies class. Everyone has to take it. And so you do Christianity, Judaism, Catholicism, and then also mythology. And I loved the mythology part. And we, we studied it quite a bit in high school as well. But I've since then like bought, like I have actually on my big bookshelf, like several large mythology books. Oh, that's cool. I love mythology. I, and I felt, didn't realize when we picked this book that I wasn't really paying attention. I felt medium about mythology. So I went to a liberal arts college and we had to take like a very intense survey of Western literature across our four years of college. And the first year was focused on a combination of the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, and then the Bible. And we had to read so much mythology. We read the Iliad, we read the Odyssey. And what I thought about what was so interesting about this is that all of the gods who have all, there's all these stories about them. They really had personalities in this book and you could really understand some of the rivalries. Like it was, it was almost like they were soap opera where it was more interesting. Like the drama was more interesting than in some of the mythology. It was so much more personal. 
Yeah. So there were so many characters. It was a little confusing, but it was really, really interesting. So the Even author, though it sounds dry. The author is actually a mythology professor. Oh. So that made a lot of sense. One of the things that somebody asked us on Instagram was they asked us if they th- if you needed to have a background of mythology to read the book. And I actually don't think you do. So Grace's mom also was reading the book while we were in Cape Cod. And so there's in the physical book, I guess it's probably in the Kindle book too. I just didn't look. There's... Um, like a glossary almost at the end with all of the characters and like backstory. So if you don't know anything about mythology, you can read this book and then reference the back. But also like, I don't really think you need to know a ton about mythology to appreciate it. Like you can like the Disney movie Hercules, like you can figure out what's going on in Hercules without knowing a ton about mythology. Like it's like pop mythology almost, you know? So you need, they give you the information that you need to keep up with the book. Like you don't need to have a huge backstory. You might miss some of the nuances of why certain things are interesting, but I don't think you wouldn't like the book. I completely agree. But I thought it was a really interesting, way more fun take on the mythology that I learned in college. I agree. And now I want to go back to my like dorky mythology books and like really get caught up on some of these stories okay. because I know things that happen and I want to know like more of the like actual myths that um, and what happened there. So what were your thoughts on Cersei? Um, I felt... I liked her for the most part. I liked that she was like a strong female lead and I liked I liked her. I felt my heart really went out to her with like her siblings telling her she was ugly and like feeling like she was a misfit and like you know not really getting much love from her parents. Oh my god, do you know what broke my heart for her? So in the beginning she falls in love with this mortal who's the first human she's met named Glaucos. And he's a sailor. He's poor. He's struggling. He keeps sailing to her island. And, and he's so sweet to her. He's so sweet to her. She's in love with him. She accidentally turns him into a god. And then when he becomes a god, he's like hot shit. And he wants to date all the hottest goddesses. And he's like, in he wants nothing to do with, with her, her father. Yeah, he wants yeah. nothing to do with her. And I, her family, like she had been nervous that she'd get in trouble for turning him, him into a god. And oh, then yeah. her family is like, she was like, what if, you know, I married Glaucos? And her father was like, ha ha, like, good luck. He'd never go for you. Yeah, I felt really sorry for her for a lot of the early part of the book. Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then I think once she was actually banished... You wouldn't think being exiled was a positive thing. I think it really turned things around for her. Yeah, she really came into her own and like became her own person. Yeah, she lost a lot of her excuses. Mm-hmm. But one thing I related to and I felt I thought was really interesting was how she had a love-hate relationship with her banishment where she mostly loved it. She loved being able to curate her powers and having nobody tell her what to do. But then once in a while, she would get really lonely. And I, obviously not on the level of being a an immortal hundred multi-hundred year old creature um I feel like I have such a similar relationship like I love staying home I love being in my apartment and then I also have like the worst FOMO known to man so I like I thought that that really humanized her which is a weird thing to say about a god yeah that she loved being banished and that's when she came into her own as a person like they say like you can't be in a relationship with someone until you have a good relationship with yourself and like 
I mean, that's very cheesy advice, but it felt true for her. I agree. Um, what about when she got pregnant? Oh my God. I don't want to talk about the pregnancy yet. I want to talk about Odysseus first. Okay. 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 So, so it was like previewed very early in the book that Odysseus was going, there was prophesied that he was coming to her island. made that prophecy early on. Or told her about it. Yeah. So he, we knew that he was coming and I thought it was so interesting. So did you read the Iliad or the Odyssey? No. So I had to read both in college, maybe in high school too. And in the book, it's the story about like Odysseus's heroism and courage and bravery. And it's like, it's a hero story. And he has all these bad things happen to him. Like it's not an easy, like this guy just keeps winning type story. But like the whole story is about how amazing he is. And I thought it was so interesting to see the flip side of it where in the, uh, in the Odyssey, Circe is, is like, painted to be this like wily cunning goddess who distracts him from his quest and oh and like makes him stay with her and turns his men into pigs like she's something she's like an obstacle or an enemy or something and I thought it was so interesting in this book how you saw the other side of it from her point of view where he just shows up on her island where she's been exiled where she's like perfectly happy being alone She's used to having all these like pillaging sailors come to her island who she turns into pigs out of self-defense. And she ultimately ends up like having a very tender love story with Odysseus. And I thought it was so, so interesting to see the other side of it. Like it's, it almost goes back to the last book we read, the Emily Giffen book, where it's like when you hear the same story from different points of view, you it totally changes your mind about who you side with and like what people why people are doing what they're doing. But I don't know. I just thought that this is well, first of all, I thought it was very creative. It was how the so story creative. was told. But also just thought it was so interesting to hear the story from Circe's point of view instead of from like Odysseus being this amazing hero. And I actually don't remember how the Odyssey ends, but I would be curious to like, I don't think I'm going to reread it, but to just look at the Wikipedia page and see if how Odysseus dies is similar in this book to in the, um, to in the Odyssey. But I think the Odyssey might stop before he dies. I can't remember. I Wikipedia a, th- a few things and went to like a, diff- a few different articles as I was reading the yeah. book because I just wanted like clarity on different things. And, um... I think that's a great way to kind of get backstory yeah. versus reading the whole Odyssey. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I've, I've think I've read it twice. I don't think I'm going to go in for a third. Yeah. And what about Daedalus? I like loved hearing a little bit about Daedalus and the Minotaur and all I don't remember that. hearing about Daedalus in mythology. Oh my God. Like Daedalus and his wings and like all of the things he built. He was like such an icon throughout mythology. I guess I missed him. Yeah. Well, I loved him, but we'll, we'll talk more about him later. But I loved how it just wove in so many characters, like the Minotaur and Scylla, the monster that she created. Do you think that's how you say it? Um, I probably said it wrong. What, how do you think we say it? I think it's Scylla. Scylla. That probably is right. But I also don't know. So yeah. you could be right. So the monster, we'll just call her the monster. So wait, so let's go back. You want to talk about her pregnancy. Oh my God. I mean, right now my sister is pregnant and she's having such a hard time with it. And this just like made it even worse. Um, well, I mean, at least like we assume that a god, an ancient god isn't against your sister trying to kill her baby. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. But um, 
man, like she was so miserable. She Then the kid was terrible when he was a baby. And on top of that, she has this God trying to kill her, like her, sorry. And on top of that, she has this goddess trying to kill her baby um, and has to do a spell every month, like an intense spell and hold the spell up to like protect the island. Well, it was so interesting. I thought the description of how taxing the spell was and holding it up and like it was, as a god, it was, you know, lessening her and like taking all of her powers to do it. But, you know, because it was for her child, she didn't even bat an eyelash. She was like, of course, I'm going to do these super taxing skills that are going to make me a less powerful witch for the sake of my child. Yeah. So I think we both thought it was really interesting how the sons grew up. Yes. So Odysseus's first son did not want to be a warrior or to be notorious or even to be king or anything. No. And it was kind of just expected that that's what he was going to do, that he was going to take over in his father's place. But then Circe's son, is that how you say it? Circe. But then Circe... Just say But then Circe's son wanted that for himself. So... Yeah, it was like each son wanted to be the example that they didn't have, where Telemachus grew up hearing all these stories of his father's prowess and what a great warrior he was and how cunning he was. And he just wanted a really simple life versus Telegonus was so sheltered and he didn't get to leave the island and he was itching to get out. Like he built a secret boat in in a cave when he was a teenager. He was desperate to to do more with his life. Yeah, so it's kind of just like they both kind of rebelled against their parents in their own ways. Yeah, yeah. But obviously Athena, the goddess, wanted Odysseus's son to fulfill a great legacy, and he was like, nah, man, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Which is also kind of crazy that he would pass up such a grand legacy that was guaranteed to him and also that he would have her protection, which throughout the book is such a big deal to have the protection and the favor of the gods. And he, even with that guarantee to him, he wasn't interested. Yeah, totally. It was really also very interesting how time passed. Um, Ugh, the book just went me. on for centuries and centuries, especially in the end, because in the, in the last like five pages of the book, like... So much happens. Ugh. You know, this really irked me, and I understand why it happened, because she's an immortal being, so time doesn't mean much to her, and yeah. I don't know, like, I think she lived around a thousand years in the, over the course of the book. That's what I gathered. But sometimes it was so fast, and, you know, she'd be referencing something that happened 10 pages ago, as if it was hundreds of years ago, and then sometimes yeah. it would slow down. When she was, you know, when Odysseus came to live with her, that was only a year, but it took up so much of the book. Yeah. And I found it really confusing. And it also really irked me that nobody was being very precise with the time, which yeah. I guess is written that way on purpose. But, oh, that part. Like, maybe the author could have put in the year in the chapter, like, chapter one. Yeah. X, Y, Z. And then gone down. But that really irked me. And I couldn't tell, like, who knew each other because... They would talk about Daedalus as if, you know, it was something that had happened recently, but, you know, then it was something that they'd learned about, mm-hmm. like Telemachus had learned about as, like, somebody who was and lived then, way before him. Yeah, and Odysseus was like, what? The loom is actually from... Daedalus made that for you? Yeah. Yeah. The, the time thing was the only thing about the book that I was just like, 
I'm so confused. It that didn't type, bother me, but it definitely confused me. The type A part of me was like, I want a timeline here. Yeah. I yeah. think that makes sense. What did you think about the ending? So at the end, she decides to become mortal. You know, I... I thought it was so fitting because there was this whole theme throughout the book where you really see that she just relates much better to the mortals than she does to the other gods. Like from the fact that her voice sounds like a mortal and not a god, all the way to the fact that most of her love interests are are men and not gods. I get it, but it would seem that if she was a god with the power to make other people gods, as evidenced by what she did to Glaucos, like make Telemachus a god, like live out your your god your god ex- existence which seems much easier than being a human from this book. Oh yeah, I I understand that, but I think she was kind of tired. I think she was just like ready to be to be mortal. I mean, I get that in the context of the book, but I disagree. If I were her, I would want to stay a god. Well, maybe that's not why you're not a god. Maybe that is. Maybe that is. <laughs> So what about all of her love interests? Who is your favorite? I got to tell you, I think that girl had pretty poor taste in men. Yeah, I agree. She didn't really know how to pick them. I liked her dalliance with Hermes because he was also a god and he was like... I knew you were going to say that because you like the idea of her being with a god. I do. And she was like... He was wily and cunning and interesting, and he had all the gossip from outside the island. He sounded like a bad boy, though. He was not, like, a good a good dude to settle down with. I don't think it was about settling down. Yeah, but I don't know. Did you want her to just get, like, strung along by Hermes, like, all the time? And, like, when he has the time to visit her down on the island, it's it was all about him and his timeline. I guess so, but the idea of falling in love with a mortal where clearly time means nothing to her, so in the blink of an eye, her... Lover has like gone Aged from and dead. Yeah, gone from like young and strong to withered and dying. Like that's not a great option either. Yeah, no, I agree. Or has been like smited by some other god. True. Like True. I I would stick with god on god action. I can understand that. I personally just had a huge crush on Daedalus. Um, I thought he was like so strong and so thoughtful. Like when he gave her the loom with all of the different wools and things, he just seemed like I would have really liked the chapters on her and Daedalus to be a little bit longer. I did like the Daedalus' story with his son. Yeah. Yeah. Icarus. Yes. Yeah. So So I I do agree that he was, he was the best mortal that she was with. Yeah. But like, if she could have found a better god, but honestly, the book was not so favorable to most of the gods. They all sounded like really egotistical, really demanding. Yes. Like not nice. Yes. One thing that I thought I was really surprised by in this book, so I actually thought that this book was YA. Yeah, we picked it as this month's YA book. It's and not. I think it's listed on Goodreads in YA. Yeah. I guess maybe it, because it's listed it's more everywhere as YA. And maybe because you you read mythology when you're in high school and college. But like going back to the relationships, like when she was like, and then I took Hermes to bed, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that's a YA. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I was surprised. So if you're, um, if you're getting a negative vibe from this because you think it's supposed to be YA or because you think it sounds dry, I would say, park both of those concerns because there's definitely some sex and adult relationships and like just more adult concerns around like 
death and dying and longevity and yeah and all the characters are really likable and realistic and like feel I think like the emotional complexities are more adult than you get in YA books yeah so and it's more personal than like a mythology book yeah for sure this was one of like the best books that I've read in a long time I don't know if it was the best book I've read in a long time but I really enjoyed it yeah I loved it should we move on to other things we're enjoying? Yes. Let's I talk about obsessions. I know. Well, I'll work on my diction and you work on segues and saying like, and we'll be in business. Guys, can we just say screw the haters? We're awesome. <laughs> I want to do that. No, I think that I really think negative feedback is good. And I think that it helps you get better at things because otherwise like you're not going to move forward and you're just going to stay in one place. It kind of, I mean, it sucks getting it, but... Meh. Yeah. Meh. Let's talk about obsessions. Obsessions. Okay. So I'm obsessed with trying to... Okay. So this is something that I'm obsessed with, but also something I'm hoping our listeners can help me with. So when I was sick, I had just come back from Mexico City, so I hadn't done laundry. So all of my favorite pajamas were in the wash. So I kind of just started wearing dresses like loose fitting dresses as, as house clothes. And I was really into it. Like usually I wear shorts as pajamas, but I was yeah. really into wearing like a more nightgown type situation. Yeah. So I bought this house dress from a company called Dwell and Slumber. Okay. And I'll show it to I you. To look it's up. basically just like a short sleeve shapeless sack dress that looks like a really comfy house dress to wear. And I want to try to find more. Like, I don't want it to be sexy. I just want it to be something comfortable. But if I had to open the door in it, if I got, like, a delivery or something, that it wouldn't be either scandalous or embarrassing. So I'm on the hunt for, like, nightgown slash house dresses. Oh, you know what I love? Do you follow Busy Phillips on Instagram? Yeah, I love her. You know that nightgown she always wears? Yeah. So that's actually a dress, but it's also $300. So I don't want a $300 nightgown, but I want something like that that's like cute, but loose and flowy and shapeless. So one thing that our friend Jackie does is she orders, she goes to ASOS and orders dresses in like a size 14 and like she loves them. She wears them as house dresses. Yeah. I think she buys bodycon dresses and then in a size 14, but, but you could also buy another dress from ASOS in a size that's too big and just... I looked on ASOS and I wasn't really finding anything. ASOS overwhelms me too. It overwhelms me as well. But I'm on the hunt for nightgowns. So if you have a brand recommendation of a nightgown that you love, I'm all ears because I'm really... I have high hopes for this one that I ordered from Dwell and Slumber and... Maybe I'll buy more of those, but I also need some others. You should also look at Lake Pajamas. Lake Pajamas has really cute PJs. Most of them are like really unflattering cotton like t-shirts and shorts. Okay. And they have some nightgowns too, but they also have, they just started this little line of dresses. Okay. But, and the dresses are more for wearing out, but you could wear it at home too. Okay. Yeah. I'm really into the house dress. Oh, I love that. Tell me what you're into. So my obsession right now is pearl bags. So I love, what are you looking at me for? I think it's ugly, but it's your oh, obsession, not she, mine. I knew she thought it was ugly. I knew it. So we, I realized like when we were shopping in Sayulita, like there was a few things that I tried on and Becca just kind of looked at them and didn't say anything, but 
had her judgy face on, which she's making at me right now. Yeah, but just because I don't like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Yeah. If it brings you joy, please buy it. So there's this British company called Shrimps, and they make this. I'm sorry, it's called Shrimps? Shrimps. Like yes. Shrimps. Okay. Shrimps. I don't know why it's called Shrimps. Okay. They have great clothes. They have great accessories. But it's really fucking expensive. So... I found this pearl bag that I loved. I put it on my blog, like in my little obsessions roundup that I did this past Friday. And a reader was like, yeah, I know that $700 bag is like totally crazy overpriced. She's like, I found it on Amazon for $70. So of course I immediately ordered the Amazon one and I haven't gotten it yet, but I think it's going to be waiting for me when I get home from Cape Cod and I'll report back. I want to see it IRL. It's really cute and boxy. It's all pearl pearl beads that are kind of like woven together to make a cute little bag. I'm excited for it. What about on Instagram? What are you loving there? So this is one that I've had as an obsession for quite some time now, but I keep forgetting about him. Um, his name is Mark Ainge. So it's M-A-R-C dot A-N-G-E. And he has this piece of artwork called La Refuge. And it is this giant bed with these like metal palm trees around it and he's starting to mass produce them like not super mass produce them but there's one at the Beverly Hills Hotel and they're kind of all over the place and they're beautiful huh. there's a pink one and there's a green one and there's a me- metallic gold one this is not something that you or I will ever be able to afford but I can just appreciate the beauty of it it's amazing. It's just like, I think you'd have it by the pool. Like if you were a millionaire that had oh, just like I a see. big day bed. I looked this up. I've seen this before, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It's called La Refuge. Huh. R-E-F-U-G-E. And I just think it's magical. And I really want one for my non-existent pool and non-existent beach house. Let's work on it. Non- let's work on making your non-existent beach house existent because yeah. I would like to... I mean, my parents are leaving Cape Cod, so maybe I need to get a Cape Cod house. Maybe. Yeah. I also need to make a whole lot more money to do that. But hey, keep maybe the podcast is going to like make the big times. I don't think so quite yet. Probably not. So mine, I don't know if it's an obsession or if this is like a confession. So I'm obsessed with, um, her name is Ashley Stretcher. And her handle is Stretcher Hair, S-T-R-E-I-C-H-E-R-H-A-I-R. So she's Mandy Moore's hairdresser. How the hell did you find her? Like, don't even ask. I think I followed Mandy Moore, and then she tagged her for doing her hair. And then I started following her, and now I've gone so far down this rabbit hole. I'm, like, really obsessed with her. She co-owns a salon in Beverly Hills with her two sisters. She does hair. One of her sister does eyebrow micro blading. And then one of her sisters does makeup. And I need to go get my haircut next week. And I like want her haircut. She has like this great choppy it's bob. It's so cute. It's so short. I don't want it that short, but I want that cho- that texture, like that choppiness I really like. Yeah. So I've just like gotten so obsessed with her. She does really great stories. Her and Mandy Moore climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, Her and her sisters were just in Italy. Like it's one of those things where I started following her really randomly, but I've gotten too into her almost. And now I feel creepy and weird, but I really like her haircut and it's not going to stop me from bringing a photo to my hairstylist and being like, I want this. Oh, I love that. I love her short hair. I wish I could pull that off. I have too big of a face. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about reading? What else are you reading? So I just finished The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. And so Riley Sager wrote Final Girls, which I read probably like either like somewhere between six months and a year ago. It's a thriller. Oh my God, it's so good. It's the last thriller. It's the first thriller in a long time that I've read that I didn't guess the twist. Ooh. Because when you read as many thrillers as I do, like I play this game, I'm like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And I just keep guessing and guessing and guessing. Until Is that I enjoyable for you? To, do you like to be right or do you like to be wrong? I like to be wrong because oh, okay. I, then I get surprised. Okay. It is a little bit satisfying to guess the ending, but then you're like, eh, this wasn't creative enough. Okay. So I loved this book. It was one of the best thrillers I've read in a really long time. And then I just started a book called Beach House for Rent because I finished the two books that I brought home with me and needed something else to read. And my mom gave it to me. And it takes place in Charleston. And it's really sweet. It feels like kind of like an Ellen Hildebrand book. Okay. Um, it seems just like a really cute um, book that takes place in a sleepy town. And it's like just heartwarming and nice. Okay. What about you? So I um, read The Underwriting by Michelle Miller. And it's almost like a version of the knockoff or the assistance, but it takes place on Wall Street. And it's about, I think it's told from six different points of view, all of these people who are somehow involved in the IPO of a dating app. And I... It, it was really good. It was really addicting. It ended kind of abruptly, so I'm wondering if there's going to be a sequel to it. But I, it was my first library book. It was the only one that I could get immediately. Apparently, it's not that popular. Um, but I started reading it on the train, and I was so sucked into it. I finished it in 48 hours. I just ordered this as we were talking because I know I'm going to love it. I was really, really into it. So loved it. Um, and then I'm going to start this book called She Regrets Nothing by Andrea Dunlop. And I'm mentioning it because it has really bad ratings, but it sounds very up my alley. It sounds very gossip girly. It's about a girl who um, is orphaned in her early 20s and discovers that she has this like rich family. And it, she almost sounds like the Charlie or the Ivy from Gossip Girl. Ooh. Um, and like goes and lives in this like glitzy family. It has bad Goodreads reviews, but I like anything Gossip Girly, so I'm going to try it. So if you've read it and you really think I shouldn't, like send me a DM. But I'm going to try it. Ooh, sounds good. And you know what else I'm going to read next? What? Our next book. Oh, which I already read and loved. So it's called Ghosted by Rosie Walsh. Tell us about it because I've only read the first chapter. Okay, so we've all been ghosted before, um, some of us. Hopefully you haven't. Yeah, hopefully you haven't. I've been ghosted a lot. Um, but this book is about a girl named Sarah, and Sarah f meets Eddie. She's on vacation, and they fall in love almost immediately. So they spend seven days together. They friend each other on Facebook. They make all these plans to continue their romance together. But then... After parting ways, Eddie just disappears. He completely vanishes. So he stops responding to her emails, but she can see that he's read them. Okay. Won't reply to his texts, and then he defriends her on Facebook. So, of course, she's like, well, what happened? So she's messaging him. He's ignoring her. She kind of starts stalking him a little bit. Her friends are like, forget about him. Like, you, you don't deserve this. And she can't forget about him. And so she ultimately goes back to L.A. where she's from. Like, this takes place between the U.K. and L.A. 
and we find out what happened. And there's a huge twist. Um, it turns out they were both hiding pretty big secrets. I'm not going to say anything more, but I loved the twist. And I love this book. It's a great book. It's not it's not YA. This is our adult pick for the month. But um, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to talk about it um, in two weeks. Oh, I'm excited to read it. I've heard so much good buzz for this book. I think you're really going to like it. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So, so in the meantime, read this book. Read this book. But um, follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. Join our Facebook group. Grace, where can people find you? Um, I'm at Grace Atwood, and also I have a blog called The Stripe, thestripe.com. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. So come play with us online. That sounded weird. Not in a creepy way. But hang out with us in our Facebook group and on the internet. Yeah. And we'll see you next week for some advice up. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.